Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Let the train! You are listening to Wide the Truck. Are you ready to truck it? Time for your Nooner with Dooner on this Friday. Let me just get this shared out to all you in social media land. Is this up on Twitter, guys? I don't see it here on my notifications. Let me know when that gets up there. And I'll share that out to all of you. It's coming up in just a second, they say. All right, I'll get that out in just a minute. But in the meantime, it's Friday, right? There's been some good news this week, right? Port agreement over in the West Coast. You know, we started off a little rough. Oh, here it is right there. Let's get this right out to all y'all out there. There we go. Started out a little rough, started out a little rough, but we've seen a little turnaround in rates. We're seeing this agreement come through. Maybe the supply chain is healing the way it needs to be. We're going to get deep on that. But to celebrate the big news at the port, we got a song here from the Little Freight Mermaid. Let's give it a listen. I want to be where the truckloads are. No license required, no customs or tariffs. I want to talk to customers who have, what's that word again? Oh, yeah. Freight! But they have real fun. Freight bill by the ton. Bet they just play all day with Prescott. <laughs> That's fine with me. At least I could be. Part of that world. Excellent, excellent work by Ben Shergi. He's the VP of Sales over at Cowan Logistics, and he put us all into that. Some of the back said he was a little flat over there. One of, the, one of the guys in the back over there. I mean, I don't know. I think he did a great job. I'd like to see your version of the phrase. I don't even want to see any more versions of The Little Mermaid. People are like, oh, why aren't you going to? It's like, because the animated version's fine, Disney. Stop it. On today's show, I'm talking to Flex Sports' Nathan Strang about the agreement that saved peak season. The agreement in place is SoCal Freight back on the menu. We'll find out. Wearable truck tech is advancing at a rapid rate. We're going to see what BlinkSync founder Steve Kostelik has to do with that and what his uh, new device is. What's the most annoying thing about ELDs? How do you fix a wonky logbook and all sorts of other stuff? we got Watsman Diesel Houses, Sam Watts in the house, and uh, our business in sports all about being a copycat. Freight Vaughn is Shannon Breen. He's going to talk about the business of imitation. We're going to learn a little bit about power only. And also, with Cleveland coming up, he'll tell us how to survive a conference and get the most out of it. Plus, President Biden, did you guys hear this one? He says they're going to build a railroad from the Pacific Ocean all the way to the Indian Ocean. No idea how it's going to work, but he says it's happening. Could change intermodal. <laughs> um, we're going to get, go into your formal in a Kenworth team trucking domestic disputes and uh, progress on 95 in Philly. So we got a lot to get to today, but Sam Watts is here right now, owner at Wattsman Diesel House. Let's welcome him on. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having. I I honestly have no clue how I'm going to follow the uh, the little freight maid. I I'm entirely nervous now. That, that was a lot. That's a lot to sort of to set the bar really high. Is are you a you're not a vocalist at all, are you? Uh, well, I don't consider myself one, but I, I do once a month lead the music at my church. But it <laughs> has nothing to do. It looks nothing like that. That's one of the only places you can go as an aging rocker these days is to the is to the church to play to play your tunes. It's, it's a good haven for that kind of stuff. Well, brother, I don't think you've been on before. So people who haven't met you before, what is Watsman Diesel House? So it's just kind of an idea that I had that I just started kind of running with and it kind of started picking up legs on its own. But it's it's a you know, I come from the truck. I've been in trucking for my whole life. My father started driving truck and I, I've been in it my whole life. Um, and so I've done operations, I've done sales, I've done IT for a while, I've done recruiting. Um, and now the, the last couple of years, I've really kind of devoted to safety. Um, and not a lot of people know safety, not a lot of people like safety, not a lot of people understand safety. And so the Watsman Diesel House was just kind of an idea that came out of that and, and kind of educate and entertain, hopefully, 
people on safety issues with trucking and, and how them and operations and everything can kind of tie in together. So that's that's the goal with with that. I know that all too well. My rate this trap work wouldn't exist if people took safety seriously, you know, on <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I got to ask you, you mentioned your, your dad. I love that. I love the multi-generational bloodlines in logistics. What's the best thing you learned from your dad? Uh, not to get into trucking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's, been a, it's been a great industry. Um, no, I was extremely fortunate because he, like I said, he started trucking, but then he got out of the truck and started working his way up in trucking companies uh, to the point where he was uh, general manager, vice president of companies, uh, even owned a company for a while, and and he took me along on every step of the way. It didn't matter if I was in high school or in college or even young adult life. Like he was very open about wanting to expose me to the industry and how it works, and because he knew it was a good industry. And I I like to make jokes about it, but at the end of the day, it is an extremely good industry. It's a necessary industry. It's one that's not going to go away. It might change, but it's not going to go away. Uh, and so I was very fortunate that he gave me kind of a front row seat to how it works and how this piece works with that piece and and really giving me the great overview of the trucking industry as a whole. Hey, well, a little cowbell for your for your dad. Great work. It looks like he raised you well. Um, you know what? There's a, You mentioned it. You mentioned safety. There's a lot of annoyances in the supply chain. One thing that was highly controversial when they first came out were ELDs. You know, drivers still have some issues with them. A lot of people still have issues with them. But let me ask you something. What is the most annoying thing about an ELD? To me, right, and this, this is, you'll probably get different responses from different people, but to me, I think they're a little too broad yet. Uh, and, and when I say this, I want everyone to understand that I understand why they have to be this way, why ELD providers have to be this way. But, you know, we run the, the company I, I'm helping right now, you know, they run some stuff that's on exemptions. You know, they have an agricultural exemption or, or different uh, exemptions like that. But there's really no way to show that well in an ELD. And I get why they don't put it in there, because I know drivers might abuse that kind of function. But at the same time, it's, it's very it's very broad as far as uh, ELDs go. And I wish they could uh, really start kind of getting a little more, I don't know if niche is the right word, but, you know, just being able to have a couple more options. You know, the technology's there. Um, we can do it. And I would just, I would like to see someone do do that. Um, also, the other thing too, and again, I want to preface this with, I understand why they do it, but there are a couple times where, It'd be really nice to be able to edit drive time. Now, I know I'm not supposed to say that, uh, and I'm not saying edit drive time to, to help a guy out get hours back or anything like that. But uh, the amount of times I've seen a driver screw up his 10-hour break because he was either forced to move off of a, of a lot or he made a kind of a bonehead decision and moved to the front of a truck stop or something or, you know, moved to a, a somewhere, um, you know, and then he has like that three-minute drive time in there that just screws everything up. So it'd be really nice to be able to, to edit some of that. But again, I, I don't have a definitive answer on how you do that without getting the abuse that would most likely come along with that as well. Now, it sounds like it's, it, it sounds like a challenge, especially when you're in those exemptive cases there and the, the tech just doesn't really service that. Um, and you're right. It, it, I think it would be on the tech providers to, and there might be some kind of regulation that would have to be involved to, to get that moving. Right. I have another question for you. What, what should dispatchers know about ELDs? <laughs> Everything. Hey. Uh, they, <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's a simple answer. What shouldn't uh, they know, right? No, it, exactly. Exactly. It, it's so important that, that dispatchers understand how a driver's day goes. You know, it's very important that dispatchers know they can drive 11 hours. They have 14 hours on duty, but some of that could be used for drive. I mean, there's just a lot of things that dispatchers really should know. Now, they don't have to maybe know a lot of the nuances that drivers should know about it. But uh, if you are a dispatcher and you are dispatching trucks over the road, that you should have a really good idea of how an ELD works and how a driver's day works so that you know that if you see a load that's 800 miles and it has 24 hours to deliver or even less than that, which I've seen sometimes, you know that that's not quite a legal load. Now, you could maybe manipulate and play with your hours. And I understand that there's ways to do stuff like that, but you got to know what's a legal load and what's not a legal load so that you know that you're not going to dispatch a guy on a, and set him up to fail on that. I mean, I've done recruiting in the past 
And usually the, the number one reason a driver leaves a company is, is A, there's no freight or they're not being paid right or something like that. But usually the number two reason is that they, they said the dispatchers were making them run illegally and they just, they didn't want to do that. I mean, this is a, a, a driver's livelihood out there on the road. They don't want to do anything to screw that up by running illegally, get violations, get knocked against their CDL, all that kind of stuff. So if you're a dispatcher, it is so important for you to understand how an ELD works and how a driver's day works and how, how, that, how you can dispatch them then using that information. Yeah, I mean, no kidding. Part of the reasons they had to put these ELDs in here is so that drivers were accountable and dispatchers is to keep you accountable too. So understand what these things are. Understand the regulations that these drivers have to run off if you're going to have a much easier time and you're going to make the supply chain a better place to work. You know, we're, we're in safety. We're collecting a lot of data lately, a lot of data. And some of that is dash cam footage. Now, you think about dash cam footage, 12 hours of video, 14 hours of video a day. That's a lot. How do you know when yeah. to review dash cam footage? Is it only in instances of accidents or, or what's your opinion on this? Yeah, so I, I can only speak for a handful of the of the software I've used. I know there's a ton of them out there now, um, but you know, one of the big ones out there right now is Motive. And so that's that's one I'm pretty well versed on. There's another one called Samsara that's really good. Uh, and both of them, you know, the 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 invention of, of uh, AI, you know, artificial intelligence, they have really gotten it pretty refined in these dash cam stuff. So you don't have to watch through a bunch of dash cam footage to find what you really want to see. I'll get alerts if a guy breaks too hard. You know, if he go, if his braking habits are over seven miles an hour per second or something, something like that, you know, if he breaks hard, it'll know that and it'll, it'll grab that dash cam footage and send it to me. If he accelerates too hard, it'll, it'll send that footage to me. If, if it can detect near collisions or, or collisions, uh, it can detect running a stoplight and running a stop sign and things like that. So the dash cam technology it has greatly improved uh, even in the last year, year and a half to where you don't have to go through a bunch of dash cam footage to find what you want. Uh, it usually 99, 98% of the time, it'll find that stuff and send it directly to you. And it's that's so important. Like dash cams are a complete game changer in my opinion. Just because now we, we, you know, just from an insurance standpoint, for one, now we can prove whether or not we got ran into or we ran into somebody. Um, and, and, you know, it's so important for the drivers to review dash cam footage. I like to put little packages together and send them out to all the drivers on the fleet and say, here's three examples. Here's two things that went wrong. And here's a driver that did something right. And then they can see you know, different scenarios that are in the real world and they can kind of learn what they would do in that situation. It's no different than watching film as a professional athlete. You know, these guys watch all that film so they can understand scenarios and predict what's going to happen and go through their mind and figure out what they would do in that scenario. Same thing with drivers. So the dash cam footage is 1000% extremely helpful for guys in safety and, and, and operations and things like that. I like this sports analogy because in freight, you don't necessarily have a playbook, but you certainly do have a logbook, right? What happens if that dispatcher is disrespecting your ELD or the driver's disrespecting the ELD or he thought he had an exemption? How do you fix a messed up logbook? Well, editing is a good a good start. Uh, all logs can be edited. Now, like I said before, drive time cannot be. So that's that's one piece that you can't do. But you know, a lot of times guys will go home for a weekend and they'll forget to take themselves off duty or, or put themselves off duty. I mean, and, and so you have to go back and edit that log, which is very easy to do. Uh, and, 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 you know, drivers can do it. I highly, I highly recommend drivers learn how to edit their ELDs. Um, cause that's an important piece cause you are going to make mistakes. There's no doubt about that. Or if you're, you know, doing something where you should be on duty, but you're on off duty, you know, just go back and edit it. Um, there's a couple of things too, like, uh, you know, sometimes things happen and you run over your 11 hour drive time and you're trying to get to a safe haven. The notes section on an ELD is extremely important too, because DOT will usually, you know, they'll work with you usually. Now, sometimes you might get an officer that's having a bad day and you get to get, uh, you know, you get to get kicked down, but usually they'll work with you if they're, if they see that you're not trying to sneak anything past them. So what I always tell guys, like, I understand if you're caught in construction, caught an accident, you know, things like that, and you run over your 11, just make a note of why you went over your 11. And, and also, don't run five hours over your 11, okay? You know, usually they'll give you a half hour, maybe an hour, 
uh, to find a safe haven, things like that. But make sure you're putting in the notes why you did that. And that usually will suffice most DOT officers. Now, Sam, we may not have got a song as good as the, the Freight Mermaid, but what you were saying was uh, from your lips to God's ears. I understand where you're coming from. People who want to reach out to you, where should I send them to? Well, you can, you can look me up on LinkedIn. That's probably where I'm most active, uh, just Sam Watts. Um, you can send me an email, sam at wattsmandieselhouse.com as well. But uh, yeah, LinkedIn is probably where I'm most active on. You can probably find me on Instagram if you type that in. But uh, yeah, just go to LinkedIn. I'm there. I'm usually pretty active on that one. Sam, you have a great weekend. Thank you so much for stopping by the show. You as well. Take it easy. By the way, a little shout out to uh, Jamie Hagan over at Hellbent Express. So uh, take it easy. By the way, a little shout out. By the way, a little shout out to, to Jamie Hagan over at Hellbent Express for the hat. Thank you so much. Fits nice on the head. I appreciate the, uh, the center. If you're in Cleveland next week, I just put a box of what the truck hats on our truck that is headed out that way. So come see about me when you're in Cleveland, and I'll hook you up with the hat free of charge. All right. Meanwhile... By the way, you think the port workers, like the ILWU, they're better at this game than your average person? These aren't port workers. This is like, I'm not sure where this is. What did he get? He got a cat. <laughs> he got a cat. <laughs> what the hell is a, what is a cat doing in there? I don't know. Don't let PETA see that one. It's Shannon Breen, co-CEO and founder over at Freightvana. Brother, what's going on? How you been, my man? How, How you have been? you been? Where are you sitting today? Where are you in? Are you in Arizona? Phoenix, my man. Phoenix, right in Midtown. So we, we've got a, a nice office, some 15th floor, and it's a really nice space for for the team as we continue to do our uh, our growth here. Oh yeah, well, what's good with you guys? I haven't seen, last time I saw you. I think was like in Vegas, but I don't think I've had a Freight Vana person on as a guest in a couple months now. So what's new? Man, it's uh, like everybody else, right? Uh, you know, you guys follow the market as well as anybody. It's a challenging market for all providers, especially, you know, non-asset or with assets right now. And so we're just hiking our way through it, right, Tim, and uh, doing a good job. I mean, we've got some really good partnerships and we've got some interesting areas of our business, like our M&A, uh, as well as our technology division that we continue to build. So, uh, you know, I had a, a friend in the industry tell me the other day, it's kind of like a quote. Uh, that's very popular, right? Be be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. So uh, I don't know if I love the greedy aspect of the quote for per se for what we do, but I think we're just being very optimistic and really working through all the different pieces, um, knowing that a different cycle is coming at some point in, in our industry uh, and just making sure we prepare ourselves for that. The drivers in my network, they've been telling me that this has actually been a good week, though. It's been one of their better weeks that they've had. Lanes have been heating up in both the southeast and the southwest. Are you seeing that as well? And they're like, it's been pretty significant jumps. They're all pretty happy. Yeah, I've seen a little bit of heating up. I mean, California, naturally, this time of year, right, you get your seasonal kind of push with, with produce. So California, you see a little bit of tightening. Um, obviously, you've got some of the freeway stuff that, that you guys have followed with uh, some of the issues on the east. So a little bit. Um, it's interesting to see is this just kind of that 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 seasonal surge that we see until July 4th. But typically after the 4th, we see it fall off a little bit, too. So um, I think it's good to see a little bit of strength. But is it going to be two or three weeks or, you know, I don't think anybody's betting that this is like a two, three month run. I think this is maybe the next two, three, four weeks of a, a nice seasonal strength that probably then falls off again, unfortunately. Yeah, let's hope not. Let's let's cross our fingers and, and hope for uh, hope to be upbeat. But, you know, you got to work with the system and you got to work with with the market and, and whatever it is. You got to you got to thrive and survive. You know, there's one term that I see a lot on social media and I think back to when I first started in this business and didn't know the term. So sometimes I like to cover these things from a, from a 101 perspective. And this one's power only, and you're a great expert on that. So let's start there. What is power only, and why is it good? Yeah, I mean, power only, essentially, for us, we've got an entire fleet of very well-equipped asset trailers that we're deploying nationally, coast to coast. Uh, power only is essentially using the uh, third-party carriers to come in and operate that equipment. Uh, we carry a brokerage MC, so it gives us uh, all types of agility and flexibility in the marketplace. Uh, and we become an extension of those small, medium-sized trucking companies that don't have the trailer pools. 
uh, to necessarily meet the demands of the, the larger retailers, manufacturers, CPG companies uh, that would prefer large trailer pools and oftentimes lead to the lar- you know, lean, lean into the larger trucking companies in the country. So we become a connection point with our trailer pool to basically give that flexibility to both the shippers and the small carriers that otherwise left to themselves wouldn't really be able to tap into that a very large, substantial component of the, the, the U.S. capacity. Yeah, I was going to ask, how big of a market is that for power only? Like, how many, uh, how many are using that option these days? There's a lot of companies that are building and growing into it. And I think, you know, you talk about commodities and whatnot. So it's a huge option, you know, trucking, power only, drop and hook freight. I used to work, at, you know, uh, for one of the larger companies in the country. I mean, 80 plus percent of what you do is drop and hook. So that market is massive. Um, so I think the answer is billions. I think the question is, how do you build a network? What's the technology? Um, and what are those efficiencies that you can build? Because it looks more like an asset company than it does a non-asset brokerage when, when it starts to scale uh, and even at our size. Interesting. Well, who, who did you copy that idea from? Because you put this post on LinkedIn that said business and sports are all copycat leagues. And I know I agree with you. Like everything is the sum of, of the parts that are around you if you're if you're doing things well. I, in fact, it's almost better these days to be a good aggregator than a good creator. Yeah, it's funny, right? So I'd say a couple of things, right? You experience it. I watch people similar to you, right? You've done some really creative stuff on social. And before you know it, right? People are on that same thread, right? I mean, how many people are doing rate the strap work or something like it and copying you, you know, it's like, and you want it to be uniquely your own, right? There's no way you don't, right? You take pride in the fact like innovator and creative, and that's kind of the play I'm running and that's my stick. And then other people can really quickly follow form and copy that. And I think for you, it's just a challenge of cool. What fun and creative thing am I going to do next? And I think sports is no different, right? Dooner? Like I tell people all the time, if you're running, you know, if you're a successful football team in the NFL, those plays aren't uniquely your own. You don't think every single team's watching those plays on either side of the ball, figuring out how to run similar plays in certain scenarios. Like it's only yours for a short time and then someone else is doing it. But the really good teams figure out how to adapt and keep innovating and stay on the front end of that curve. So whether it's marketing, uh, whether it's operations, whether it's having trailers or trucks, I don't think any of that's really uniquely your own. It's just how you do it, how you bring it to market um, is really where you create the value. And if you want to be a leader, you've always got to be kind of challenging yourself. There's there's nothing that you can't rest on your laurels uh, in this business, in sports. And I think that's the real learning lesson when I say it's kind of a copycat league and you got to be OK with it. Well, you know, even when you look at your social media, I think one of the things that you have done really well is um, – personify your people and it doesn't come across as just like corporate videos. You actually feel like, Oh, this is a team that works within an office. They're, they're real people. Yeah. I love that you call that out. I I was at the shipper the other day and in the Southeast and they said, you know, I like other people are clearly like trying to do social media, but yours just comes off in a way that's very authentic and you've been guys been doing it for so long. And I think the term that we love to use here at Dooner is empowerment, right? You really see an empowerment in our people to have their personalities. And I think the biggest power you hit on the back end of that is when you walk into our office, when you interview with our team, if you just come for a visit, the authenticity is exactly what you see is what you get. Whereas a lot of times, uh, and I've seen it, lived it, you know, there's this marketing engine, but then the reality of it is so much different uh, when you experience it. Right. And, and, and I've always just had a passion for our marketing being absolutely who we are, a high valuation on authenticity. And so, you know, I think that frees our people up. It frees me up and, and you know, hopefully is, is exciting of why people want to work with us. So what have you learned? So Fred Vana, what you're Two, two years now? Is it like two-year anniversary? Two years. I feel like you've been around yeah, for a while it. now. Yeah, two years. What have you learned now, two years later, that you didn't know when you started? Uh, I think even as an entrepreneur, right, you got the confidence to lean into it and you you make the bets. I think the one thing that I just can't overstate is the people you surround yourself with, right? I am just absolutely blessed. Uh, we started the business with a, a few dozen hand pick professionals. So obviously we kind of knew what we were getting there. 
Um, but as we've grown, it's just been amazing to watch how important it is to surround yourself with uh, those folks. And I think on a personal level, I would tell you that be able to lean into like the doubt and the stress and the strain um, of just growing a business. You got to realize first year is startup year. The second year is this type of a freight market. You understand how challenging that is. Um, but for us, we're, I told my team all the time, like, hey, this is the worst we'll ever be, right? Because if we're doing everything right, all we do is improve from here. And so you've got to have that belief and be able to kind of weather those storms. Um, and you don't really have any luxuries that you have and you've maybe worked for a large publicly traded company. Um, and so that that's the biggest learning experience is just being able to handle all of that uh, and then lead a team through the through the stormy seas that, that is uh, the transportation industry. So. Well, hey, we have an event coming up in Cleveland next week, big conference. Um, I am I, I like conferences, but I like them in, in small doses because the, the, they're a lot. There are a lot. There are a lot to take in. I'm really looking forward to Cleveland, though. But you're like really experienced, so I'm sure I can learn from you here. What is your conference survival guide? How do you how do you make sure you're getting the most leads? You're keeping your energy levels up. You're having a good time, and uh, you know you're bringing back something to show for it. Yeah. First off, Cassie on our team will be there, so I wanted to come meet you, and I would love one of those uh, what the truck hats that you're you're sending out there. Sure. So Cassie Queen will be there. Uh, for me personally, I try to do a couple of things. One, I've, I really love conferences for my career. And this is what I tell young folks in the industry. A lot of companies don't promote the connections via social media and or conferences. But I really challenge young folks in the industry to go out and meet people and learn. Like a lot of what I've learned in this industry is from really high level pros that work at um, competitors in the industry. And so I usually segment my my conference schedule to meet up with those folks. Usually I have a couple key topics or learnings that I'd love to pick their brain on. And I use that opportunity in the sit downs with those folks. And then I think the other piece is uh, almost having a loop that's more on the innovative side. Hey, I want to learn about this. What's this new tech? And make sure I carve out the time to, to sit and talk with some folks, either the people that already know, hey, are you using this? How are you using it? How does it work for you? Or meeting with the vendors direct. But I really like meeting with the folks that are using it or have tested it. That's an amazing value proposition when you're sitting at a conference because you got all these vendors, as you know, right, that are selling. But what I really like to be is like, who's using it? And, and let's have a conversation about that. So I think it's a great for a conference to, to, to take away. Um, so the networking aspect and then just the innovation and the learning piece, if you lean into that the right way and prep, a lot of people don't do prep work, right? They show up at these events and then they run around trying to get these meetings. And there's a lot of ad hoc that you can do. But I always suggest having some preset stuff ahead of time, running around trying to ad hoc it while everybody else has meetings and stuff is sometimes really challenging to do. So. Yeah, know the agenda, especially if you want to target speakers. Go to their session, and then you have something to talk about. You have an icebreaker right out. I love that you said this there. I mean, it's. I like the point you made about young people, too. For the past decade, the I've never had luck with, like, ZipRecruiter or any of that stuff. Any job I've gotten has been, like, through LinkedIn or through Twitter to social network connections. We've already warmed it up, and usually it's, like, the CEO or someone high up that, you know, you can see they post something, and immediately you can DM and say, hey, I'm interested in that. They'll push you right to the front of the line. You don't have to go through all that other stuff. Personal connections, this is not a huge business. This is not a huge business, so don't start too many fights. Make friends. Things get around quick. I love your advice here. Yeah, treat people. I mean, just go back to the old golden rule, right? Treat people the way you want to be treated, right? And so I try to help people out, take phone calls, be you know, carve out a certain amount of time every week to be a you know a supporter of the industry because you never know. To your point, Duna, when you're going to need to call in those cards or ask a favor, and I think that two way is where it's really at. and I think that's another piece you go back to. What did you learn about the journey in the last two years? If you want to get, sure always, always be focused on what you can give too. And I think a lot of people just personality wise, you're always focused on, hey, what's it do for me? It's a very selfish kind of egotistical approach. But if you're selfless, it's amazing what comes back your way. And I think that's been the coolest part about starting over from scratch and building this from the ground up. It's been, it's been really a fun journey for me uh, professionally and personally. Well, hey, a little cowbell for you and your team's success. I look forward to seeing them over in Cleveland next week, and I'll set aside a couple hats for uh, for you guys. We're going to go quick. I only have like – I'll, I'll send a new one. Uh, I'll send one of our new ones your way as well. All right, man. Have a great weekend. Take care. Appreciate it, my man. Good stuff. All right. You've heard of a formal before. What about a semi-formal, literally, elsewhere? Bye. Hey, Kaylin. Yeah.
there. Let's just say I almost ran onto the road. Thank you, Jess, for doing everything for me. I really do appreciate it. I really wish I could have been there to drive you to your formal. Unfortunately, I'm a bit far away at the moment. It's okay. Driver Dave could pull this together for you. You have an amazing night. I will. She wants to do a trade in, in diesel fitting and um, eventually, you know, she said that she wants her own truck and I hope she succeeds. And, you know, with, with her attitude, you know, and up-and-coming ability, she'll she'll do it. Happy dad. Well, I'm more happy than my daughter's happy. That's what I wanted. Can I swear? <laughs> yeah, you know. It's awesome. That's what it is. Right. Bye. Bye. See, your freight dreams do come true. She uh, she worked really hard to take this girl over in Australia. She worked really hard to get a semi to her formal. It was her, her dream to go in one, and a driver made it happen. And as you saw there, really cool. Anyone do anything unique like that? We've already saw a kid get dropped off, get picked up on the last day of the formal. You uh, go to your prom in a semi? Let me know. But in the meantime, we're going to talk to Stephen Kostelik. He's president, CEO, and founder at BlinkSync Technology. Steve, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Timothy. Good to see you. Are you, uh, are you in the Oklahoma area? Oklahoma City. Oh, wow. My, my old uh, co-host on Put That Coffee Down, Kevin Hill, he's, a, he's an Oklahoma guy. He would be over the moon right now. Do you still, uh, do you still play drums? I was looking in your bio. Yeah, so I'm a music producer at heart. I play drums, guitar, bass guitar. I do vocals, kind of a one-man band. I've got my own recording studio. I get rappers that come through. I'm also a DJ, so that's really where my passions are. Yes, so yes, absolutely. I still play all of those instruments. No way. We usually have people play on the show if I know that, so next time I have you on, we might have to hear some of this. You're like multi-talented. You used to be like a flight simulator trainer, too. Are you, are you still into the flight sims? Yeah, that, that was just some volunteer work that I did uh, my first couple years of college. Uh, it was enjoyable, um, but it's uh, interesting because um, a lot of those skills I do use today. As a matter of fact, uh, my company, BlinkSync, our, one of our latest projects is actually focused on providing a product for Air Force test pilots. Very cool. I'll tell you something. I went to college. I went to CalArts for music production and Look at me now. Now, now I'm here. It's kind of roundabout. Then I spent 15 years in supply chain, and then then got into a show. So I was able to bring all the skills together, just just like you, make a sum of the whole. But so, how do you get into wearable driver technology from that background of flight simulators and and, and music? Yeah. So I went into college thinking that um, well, I got to find a way to make money because being an artist out on your own, it's not easy. It's you hear that phrase, starving artist. It's a real thing. So I figured. Um, let me get established somehow in the uh, industrial side of things and maybe reapproach music or just always have it in my back pocket. I, um, I'm never going to forget how to play those instruments, but um, I got to make a living uh, somehow. And I wanted to find something that was uh, that I could um, have a lot of interest in, something that wouldn't burn me out so quickly. I understood as a kid that I was not going to be used to the nine to five at all. So whenever I went to college, I majored in entrepreneurship, and I thought I'm going to find a way to get creative here, uh, start a company, um, and make a living um, being impactful. And one of the things that they teach you about when you're trying to come up with a business idea is think about problems that you face every day, like little pain points, even if it's like something as silly as like doing the laundry right? It's, it gives you such a headache. It's something you like procrastinate. So then you start thinking of like, how can those processes be improved? And when it comes to trucking, that's kind of where um, our thought process started. Was, it started in the classroom, but we all were just really identifying with the problem of falling asleep while driving. And a lot of it, that issue resonated with a lot of us because Either we had family and friends in the industry who were truck drivers, or we constantly do road trips ourselves where we're visiting families from out of town, so things like that. And, um, you know, I have um, my dad's cousin, he used to be a trucker for Sargento. And I remember talking to him more about this issue about falling asleep while driving. And he was telling me, yeah, he, he had this route where other drivers would cross the middle of the road and he would have to honk at them to avoid an oncoming collision. And, um, he was so, he, he started doing that for a long time. And after a while he was so on edge, he would stop at the truck stop and he would be so tired. He would fall asleep in his driver's seat still, even though he's parked. And one time he told me he had a, a nightmare that, uh, 
the same thing was happening. Those drivers were coming from across the middle and he slammed on his brakes and he woke himself up in the middle of the dream, standing full stance on his brakes. He was parked at the truck stop. Thankfully it was just a dream, but that's um, just one of the stories that you hear from what the truckers go through. And um, that's why I uh, took it upon me and my team to come up with a unique proactive approach after all of the truck, other truckers and safety managers we've spoken with. Yeah, no, if you're, uh, if you're sleeping in like a truck parking lot and the truck next to you starts moving, that definitely can, can jolt you up. You start feeling like your own vehicle is moving. We have a few pictures of your product. Can you, can you guys show these and we'll talk about it? So it looks like it's a, a pair of glasses that interacts with a, um, with a smart bracelet of, of some sort and, and interacts with an app. Tell us how this thing works. Right, so available now is Blink We've designed it to be a wearable tech platform. So a lot of the fatigue detection solutions that you'll find out there typically are inward facing cameras but i've taken a different approach going with wearable tech only no glasses so um what it is is an app that's on your phone as of now and it syncs with these smart glasses that i'm actually wearing right now these nose pieces track your blinking and your posture you just simply wear these glasses while you drive with uh, the Bluetooth on in the background and before drives and between drives, you can see your body's energy level. This is a, and it's uh, tracked on timelines to help better understand your patterns um, as a driver, where, when the best times are for you to drive, when the best times are for you to perhaps take a rest and to provide something quantifiable that you can show other drivers as well as uh, management and dispatch. So what if I already wear glasses? Do you put prescription lenses in that? Yeah. So if you order these glasses, they come with just uh, regular plain lenses. But if you take them to a local lens crafter, for example, you can get custom lenses any type you want. Transition lenses, prescription lenses, sunglass. Just take them to a local lens store. So what what is in those glasses? Are there, are there like uh, cameras or something that are looking at my eyeballs to count how many times they're blinking? And how does that determine my energy level? No, so uh, there's no cameras at all. I learned very quickly that truck drivers do not like cameras. Yeah. It's sort of a privacy issue here. So all it is is this nose piece. These metal parts are tracking muscle movements around your eyes. So it's tracking things like blink strength, blink speed. There's also a gyroscope that's picking up head nods. So in case you start getting drowsy, the software that re that BlinkSync wrote um, learns the patterns from the glasses and flags moments when you are um, have a sudden drop in these types of parameters. And the, um, the energy gauge inside the app updates to your specific uh, energy level readings. So as we, also, we have an AI component that learns everybody on an individual level, uh, we are still early. It's not active at the moment. The, the gauge moves um, in a general sense, but the more eventually we'll, we will have enough users and enough data to activate that machine learning and start curating these readings to be more accurate on an individual level. So, so I saw there was a company that was on Shark Tank um, a while ago, and they had this bracelet they had put on and it would electrocute you if you try to like smoke a cigarette or like eat a piece of candy or something like that. Any, any plans to do this so we can electrocute drivers if they're, if they're <laughs> you know, looking the wrong way? Yeah, um, that comes up all the time. And really, that's just going to be something we'll have available probably on a customizable level. As of now, the as far as notifications go, you just get a notification on your phone just like you would any other notification, just like uh, Facebook or text. So let's say you're driving and you in the middle of driving, the glasses read that you're low energy. Maybe you have your phone already connected to your Bluetooth speakers, so you will hear the notification that way. Obviously, don't look at your phone while you're driving. This yeah. is really supposed to be used as a proactive approach. So let's say um, you pull over, you've been wearing the glasses, you check your energy level. The timestamps of your low energy are still there. The, the notifications when you were tired are still at the front of your phone. So it's still you still get that understanding there later, but um, it's something to implement ahead of time to reduce the risk of accidents before you begin driving again. Wow. So have you gotten any user feedback so far? What, what are people saying that, that you Yeah. So we've alpha and beta tested with a few trucking companies and across the board, average reduction in 24% reduction in unsafe driving behaviors, such as swerving, hard braking, speeding, things like that. 
Wow. Where do people go to learn more about this? Blinksync.com. B-L-Y-N-C-S-Y-N-C.com. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show, introducing your product to us. Next time you come on, we'll have to have you play some of that music. One Man Band. You're like the Trent Reznor of, um, of Supply Chain or something here. Sounds good. I'll just put it on my Bluetooth speaker, and maybe you guys will be able to hear some. All right. Cool, man. Well, we'll catch up with you next time. Take, take care. Appreciate Looking it. Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, Timothy. Good times. All right. Anyway. See you soon. Uh, team driving. I don't know. Would this work with a team driving couple, especially with that electroshock bracelet? This, this couple looks like they need one. Let's take a look. Get it out of my face, Robert. You do it every f***ing time. It was an accident. Every time is not an accident. Ever since we started vaping, my charger is down there next to your shower bag under the bed. You slam your shower bag under the bed. Guess what goes with it? My charger. You think I do that on purpose? Yes, because it's every time. So, yeah, on purpose. You would think you'd find a better place for your charger. There isn't anywhere else in this truck because you have every hole taking up with something. With something. Except for mine. Get it out of me. Get it out of my face. <laughs> what, what did that comment mean? <laughs> Except for mine. Oh, I'm sure the people on there will know exactly. I don't know if I could do this. Means. Let me explain it for no, you. Uh, that, and no, every, and no, no, Let me explain no, 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 They're back on the holes. All right, you know, before, I was going to let Nathan announce this, but Sal Mercagliano was so happy and he put so much effort into this video. So let's play the video before we bring Nathan on. National Longshore Warehouse Union, the ILWU and the Pacific Maritime Association, the PMA, are meeting. There's a lot of tension right now in San Francisco, waiting for it. We're seeing smoke coming from the meeting room. Is it white smoke? It is. We have an agreement. We have a tentative agreement between the ILWU and the PMA. This will ensure crowds go wild. around. Yes, we're seeing the crowds go wild in the streets of San Francisco and all up and down the West Coast of the United States. This is a huge decision that has been made. What a historic moment. All right, let's bring up Nathan Strang. He's the director of Ocean Freight over at Flexport. Brother, you had to be sweating this. You must be pretty happy that they, uh, it looks like they got this deal down. I am so happy. This was the best news I got this week. And uh, also, I also need to work on my plant uh, and shirt game after coming on after Sal and Steve there, uh, seeing their, their setups. I am, uh, I am I'm not prepared. <laughs> yeah, that, your room but, is decidedly yeah. not lush. No, no, uh, it's not. I have not put a lot of time into it, as you can see. But I did put a lot of time into thinking about this board agreement. It has been topic number one, I mean, for over a year now, really. Um, it's been every meeting I go into with our clients when I'm talking with industry representatives down to the ports with carriers. This is the this is what we talk about, because um, everybody knows a West Coast shutdown would not just impact the West Coast, it would impact the entire industry. It would impact trucking. It would impact East Coast shipment. Um, now with the Panama Canal starting to run out of water, uh, it, your options start going down uh, even more. So uh, yeah, great to see it. Uh, we actually had one of my team members uh, was lucky enough to be in the room uh, at the AgTC conference in Tacoma when the port director of Los Angeles announced it to the whole uh, audience. And, and the reaction there was was very much relief as well. Oh, wow. Is there cheering and, and, and dancing? And I mean, so what did Acting Labor Secretary Julie Sue say? Yeah, she came down here this week. I, there's a lot of people cynical when she was flying out there and like, ah, oh, a lot of people thought nothing would happen. Um, but turns out it took like 24 hours. I'd love to have been in the room. Uh, I don't know what was said. Uh, I would guess, I mean, just, just being a guessing person, if you look back to what happened with the rail union negotiations, uh, it was probably very similar to that. It was, do you really want the government to step in on this? And I think in most of this industry and, and for most private businesses and labor, the answer to that is no. They would rather just come to an agreement on their on their own. Um, I also think it points to the fact that they weren't that far apart. And I think that's why we started to see more and more action from both sides coming because they knew they were close. They were both trying to get this thing across the finish line. So I think that the labor secretary coming in, sitting them both down and saying, look, you're clearly close. 
this is clearly coming to an end. Let's not make this worse. Let's get this agreement done. You know, even with all that turmoil and uncertainty on the West Coast, uh, imports are starting to rise up again over there, right? They're, they've hit, yeah. they're in line with pre-pandemic levels. Uh, let's see, imports in May were up 19% from April and up 64% from that recent low in March where things were looking really dire. What are you seeing on your end? Yeah, we're seeing very much the same thing. What we're kind of seeing is a graph that if you plotted it out, looks very much like 2019, which was our last normal year of shipping, or at least the last close to normal year of shipping that we had. So uh, I think what you saw in March was that is when inventories at warehouses started to normalize. So inventory backlogs are starting to clear up. Importers are starting to want to restock shelves. Um, Obviously, people are still buying things. uh, So there's still a very strong market. Uh, we're seeing a lot of positive signals from from our clients and from the industry in general. Uh, I think where it's not quite translating when you when you look into what's going on with rates is that there's still a lot of capacity in the market. Yeah, the carriers all brought in uh, a lot of ships. There's a lot of capacity still out there. So even with these great import numbers and stronger imports, uh, we're still seeing you know rates at very I would call them competitive levels um, across all of the trades. You know, and this this benefits trucking, too, is Craig Fuller tweeted. He said, L.A. sets the tone for the rest of the country. Show that tweet, please. Tender rejects have started to show some life out of L.A. breaking four, four, <laughs> breaking, what does it say? Four percent, which was one percent in April. It's, I was going to say eight percent. That would have been great. It's too early to call it a comeback, but suggests some of the capacity has bled out of the market, providing a floor. And you see, it's a jump up. It's at four point five percent. Yeah, and I also think as the market normalizes, most uh, businesses are going to go back into their just-in-time supply, and that's what's going to bring up the trucking numbers. We're seeing things like uh, transload instead of rail becoming a lot more popular. Uh, We're seeing fast boat services um, come back into the market uh, very strongly, Uh, and and that's a really good sign, I think. And and I think one of the leading indicators, actually, and I mostly ship on the the full container side, but the less-than-container loads, so the LCL shipments, that industry has been very strong. And a lot of that's driven by needing to resupply certain goods, certain SKUs that are behind. And that feeds the trucking market as well. So as LCL demand comes into the market, as fast boat demand comes into the market, most of that is going to connect to a truck. It's it's not going to move on rail. It usually doesn't stay local. It's going to try and get as close to the delivery door as possible. So that's that's definitely pushing up those that LA trucking numbers. How about the whole, how about, how about both coasts now? What, what is the summer of ocean freight look like a lot of people said it's going to be muted there there isn't going to be a peak but you know freight can change freight can change quickly and you guys on the ocean you know first yeah i I think there will be a peak in in that there's going to be a peak of shipments i don't necessarily know that that will translate into there being a peak of rates Hmm. so there is a lot of pressure on the market and i think it's coming a little bit in waves in that a certain lane or a certain service will see a surge in capacity they'll see a peak and you'll see the rates kind of climb up there. But across the industry, there's still just so much capacity out there that even if we do see the, you know, the kind of the import graphs um, peak, it may not necessarily translate into too much of a peak in terms of rates. I still think that we're going to see a little bit of a rate uh, increase going into the fall. But in the summer, the thing to really watch is the Panama Canal. Um, I've, I've reported on that a couple of times, you know, on, on, on Twitter, we talked about it. I know it's been brought up, but the water levels there and the restrictions that are being put on the Panama Canal are really going to drive kind of what's going to go to the East Coast. So if we do see weight restrictions come in there as the vessels fill up, if you can't go via the Panama Canal, the Suez services going to the East Coast will then fill up. That's going to push more freight into the West Coast. And that is really what could drive the rates is, is what we're seeing down there with lack of water for the canal. Interesting. Interesting. Any other anything any, any other ratfalls you're seeing on the water that we should be mindful of here, other than just the uh, Panama Canal water levels? I think one interesting trend we just kind of finished up our RFP season where we did our long term contracts, and it's kind of like what are you you know what are businesses interested in? What are they talking about? And decarbonization came up a lot, and what that means for most businesses is moving away from air. So moving from air onto ocean, and that's something to keep an eye on and how that uh, plays in the market. It's, it's been pushing a lot more shipments into, the, into LCL. It's been pushing a lot more shipments into the fast ocean. Now it's starting to trickle into regular ocean. Uh, it's not necessarily anything that's going to impact, I would say, this year. But as an overall trend in the industry, if you're looking for health in ocean, I would say that those initiatives 
uh, are going to be what's kind of pushing Ocean a little bit forward going into the future. How about the slow steaming? Um, I've been hearing a lot of reports mm-hmm. about slow steaming, increasing transit times. Is that Has that been a big issue? Uh, I would say that transit time reliability has been more of a discussion than overall transit time. I think if the industry can come out and say, look, it's going to take X number of days, uh, clients can then plan around that, right? You need to know when you cut your purchase orders to get into manufacturing, when you're going to load your container and when it's going to arrive. I think the unreliability of transit times has been more of a case than slow steaming. Now, slow steaming has occurred. It kind of bottomed out around the beginning of the year. It is coming back, though. We are seeing speeds uh, increase. They're still not where we normally would see them. I think the ships are sailing about uh, two knots, you know, two miles an hour slower uh, than they normally would, which does add up. It, it it adds about three to four days of transit time across the Pacific. So um, I would say reliability is is more of a concern than overall vessel speed. Wow. Wow. A lot to consider. Got to be happy, though. Are you are you happy with the, the, the deal that they struck over at the at the port? I'm going to have to look into it. I would yeah. say, yeah, getting to a deal is is important. I noticed the one big bullet that came out, of course, because of the recent one was a 32% pay increase for the longshoremen. I think we have to keep in mind that they haven't had a pay increase since like 2015. And I think most of us would want to see something in that time in, in all of our professions. I'll take that uh, and they do a lot of work. They do a lot of great work. So I'm, I'm pretty happy that they came to an agreement um let's hope they ratify it i i'm I'm hopeful that they will have it ratified before the end of summer here and and we'll be off and operating it's time for a little good news bad news hit the music people let's hear it oh there we go this was broken you gotta charge it bad news and good news all right so this this could change shipping this could change intermodal forever take a look at this clip well, we're going to end and we're going to help. We have plans to build a railroad from the Pacific all the way across the Indian Ocean. We have plans to build in, 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 in Angola, one of the largest solar plants in the world. Wow. I can go on, but I'm not. I'm going off script. I'm going to get in trouble. Okay, well, we're I wish you, I wish, mute, mute, mute our president, please. Now, I wish, I, I'm glad he went off script, but I wish he could have given more details about this railroad because it seems like it, almost an impossible project. What, what is, do you think this will change shipping? I, I think it's always a danger when you go off your remarks at a, at a something like that. You don't add content. So I'm going to go, I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's popular or unpopular to kind of take the president's side here because his follow-up point was about Angola. So my question would be, what side of the Pacific is the railroad starting oh. on? Yeah. If it's starting on our side of the Pacific, like that's clearly either a misstatement or or something. But if it's like a Vietnam to Bangladesh railroad, that could be very interesting. Um, that could be something that could be a game changer. Now, I'm just speculating there, but I'm yeah. going to give them the benefit of the doubt and just say, well, the railroad is probably starting on the other side of the ocean. Well, I mean, because you'd have to wonder, like, would it be elevated? Would it be under? Would it be like a tunnel? Would it be almost like a, like a freight subway? I like Because it would be great to be able to take a train to Hawaii and then like from Hawaii to Madagascar. Yeah, well, there has been rail on ocean before. Uh, there's still a line that runs from, I believe, Louisiana to Mexico. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's rail on ocean. You just load the train straight on the ship, and then they they go across as a full unit train and get off on the other side. Wow. Well, hey, let's take a look at some progress over in Philly, some stuff that's not getting built. It's getting rebuilt. Look at the great work the oh, workers no. are doing over there. Um, they still say they haven't like given a timetable. Remember when the reports originally came out, they said this was going to take months, but it looks like they're already cracking into it. And if you look at like if you look in your traffic app, I don't know if you've had reports on your freight side of any disruptions in Philly, but if you look in the traffic app, it's a mess over there. We haven't gotten too many reports of of delivery delays. I think a lot of the trucking is is, you know, it's a very resilient industry. They find a way, right? If they need to make a delivery. So, but no, I've been very impressed with the, I mean, I, I made the mistake of, of tweeting out that I thought it was going to take months as well. And, and obviously this is, they consider this an emergency situation. They pulled the all hands on deck and they're going to get this done as quickly as possible. But I think one thing about logistics that we all learn, right, is we'll find a way. If there's a disruption, we're going to find a way around it. And, and especially when you look at the trucking industry, you all want to pick up those loads. They want to move those trucks. They want to move those goods. They're going to find a way to get it there. Yeah, and maybe if they work that fast, that that railroad is possible. The one, uh, the, the one connecting the the Indian Ocean to California. That would be great. Now you're an ocean guy, and you're by the port over there. Have you ever watched a container ship get born? 
I have watched a ship get launched down in San Diego. I watched a Navy ship uh, get launched down at NASCO shipping a, a couple of years ago. So that was very interesting. Let's take a look at some ships getting born here. You can tell me which one, uh, which method you think is your best. Cause there's, there's numerous methods they do here. Like this one, they just push into the water off the side, but the other ones, they like, they have like these gigantic punching bags they put underneath it and they just roll them. I think the, that one right there, the slide in on the bags is probably the, the most incredible one. Uh, the one I saw was a little less dramatic. They just kind of flooded the dry dock. So, oh, this man, off a, that's, off a cliff. Uh, that doesn't, I mean, I guess it works. You're putting a lot of faith in the, uh, the, the keel strength there, that thing not cracking in half as it falls down the hill. Um, this looks more traditional right here. Yeah, get the blowtorch out. Yeah, if yeah. there's fire involved, that's always going to be a, a more interesting way of launching a ship to me. This looks pretty hardcore. Like, if you're a duck or something, like, you've got to get out of the way. It looks bad. I like how they Yeah, the I thought on the first up. one... I thought on the first one, too, it was interesting how they had it roped off exactly where the splash was going to be. It's like the splash zone at SeaWorld, right? Like, you can't, you can't just stand anywhere. You have to be in that specific area. And you saw some of the guys running to get out of it, too. They didn't feel like taking a seawater bath. Yeah, I think a few, they, they misjudged it a little bit. But in general, they had a pretty good idea of exactly where the water was going to go. And, and, and that's impressive to me. Well, I mean, if this, if like, if you look at that one on the beach, if that slightly turns on an angle towards you, that would just like sweep you right into the ocean. You got to be careful. I, I am going to assume they're professionals and know what they're doing. But um, yeah, that's, that's scary to me. Strang, now that they're wrapping Cybertrucks, take a look at this. Have you changed your opinion mm. on the Cybertruck? And are you a yay or a nay now? Roll this tape. They have like a, they have like a Call of Duty type of skin on the Cybertruck. I still think that's that looks better, but that's still probably one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. I gotta agree. You think that I am? I am a nay on now. Oh man, now when it goes sideways though, mm-hmm. I could see where there's a market for that. When you put the skins on it, kind of like in Call of Duty, when you put the skins on, um, it does kind of change the whole look and the feel. I, uh, yeah. You know what I say? I'm a, I'm a Tesla guy. I have a Tesla, but I am not a. Uh, I have not been a Cybertruck fan. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I wonder if the metal panels, the ones that were like unpainted, because that report, they, there was a leaked report that came out, and I wonder if it's hard to maintain those, and if they're seeing a lot of corrosion, or it just doesn't look good after a while. So, a, a wrap would make sense. But also, like you remember, like the Nissan Cube, the Honda Element, when smart cars first came out, they're like prime examples mm-hmm. for, for companies to buy them and like wrap with their logo and stuff, or like those old Red Bull um, Mini oh, yeah. Coopers you'd see on the top. I could see a big market for the cyber because it's it is eye catching, even if it's ugly, like you notice it immediately. You're going to notice it. And I think that's where it's going to go first. I think, I think that's the right thing. Like people who want to be noticed are going to get it. And that's going to be a lot of businesses. And, you know, if you're, your delivery, you know, your repair, your marketing or whatever, you're, you're driving around, people are going to see it. They're going to look and then they're going to take a picture of it and put it on the internet. Right. So now that's even more free advertising. If you buy one of those and wrap it and, and get it out there. So I can definitely see a market for it. I think that it they they know the niche that they want to sell into. They know the market they want to sell into, and the wraps. Yeah, I think are going to be. It, it was something I didn't even think about, but yeah, the wraps are going to be a game changer in being able to market it because that bare aluminum. I mean, one of my many previous jobs in the Navy was corrosion control. You don't want bare aluminum. Like it needs yeah. to be something. Something needs to be coated on it. I'm sure that they had some sort of clear coat on it, but even then. Uh, any kind of corrosion is going to show up very quickly and and not look great. It's going to be a stunner on the lot, but yeah, I, I think that I, I could I could see that happening. Well, hey, we got an event coming up. We got the future of supply chain. Smokey and the Bandit are already on their way down there. Let's take a look at them on their drive down there. Are you coming down to join us in Cleveland? We got any flex porters in the house? Uh, I'll have to check. Um, we sent it out. We're, we're looking at the attending. We're obviously with our, you know, we're, we're starting to look more into full kind of end to end supply chain now that we have our partnership and, and acquisition of deliver. Uh, but I'm not going to make it this time. Hopefully I can make it to, to F3 again there in, uh, in Chattanooga, but, um, I think it's going to be a great event. I'm going to love to see what the follow-ups are and what the discussions are. I think that's what I miss about not going to those is the presentations are great. The content is obviously great. Um, but being there in person and just listening to what people are talking about, like what's the buzz, 
that's what that's what I think we we need to do and 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 get there and walk around the floor Excellent. and just talk to everyone who's there. Well, before I let you go, what is your one quick conference survival tip? Hydrate. Hydrate. Smart idea. Just bring a water bottle. I mean, they almost all give out free water bottles, but uh, at least for me, I'm one of those people who, if I'm doing something, I will absolutely forget to stop and get a drink of water. And a day or two of not hydrating and eating the snack food and drinking coffee, you're just going to feel terrible. So grab yourself a water bottle, fill it up, keep drinking. Nate, thank you. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Go check out Flexport. Go check out Navy Strang on Twitter. Take it easy, brother. We'll catch up with you soon. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find the show at FW What the Truck. You want to hear this on audio? Look up wherever you get audio podcasts. Also, FreightWaves YouTube, tv.freightwaves.com, and the social media. Hey, you take care, and I'll see you in Cleveland, everybody.